Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. We continue to ease into June in another Sunday Perspective show. Glad to be back with you. We took uh, last week off for the Memorial Day holiday here in the United States, but uh, good to be back for another show. And today we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, sort of hot button topic, which is cloud repatriation. And, uh, you know, from time to time, the, you know, should you put things in the cloud? Should you run things in your own data center? Uh, Can you you know, can you do them better than the cloud? Can you be more efficient than the cloud? That conversation kind of, you know, bounces around all the time. There's always conversations about it, and there's definitely pros and cons on either side. Uh, but this last week or so, uh, there was a, an article that came out from A16Z, uh, one of the really well-known uh, VC funds. It was called the cost, the cost of Cloud, a Trillion-Dollar Paradox. And it really was kind of focused on this idea that, um, you know, for large software companies, and we're going to kind of dive into the details, Details of it, but for large software companies, especially SaaS companies, uh, their cost of operating in the cloud is a fairly large part of their cost of sales, uh, cost of revenue, if you will. And you know, they really were kind of exploring: is it too high? And if so, um, you know, should that be something that they should look into, looking at repatriating back into their data centers? And so there was a you know wrote a fairly long article, uh, sort of fairly detailed article. Um, and obviously, you know, as uh, as such happens on Twitter and, and other technical forums, there is no nuance, there is no in between, there is only uh, you know sort of black and white, uh, left and right ends of the polar spectrum. And you know, it created a lot of sort of uh, you know animosity, if you. Will and so I thought you know let's not add to the animosity, but let's kind of dig into this a little bit um, because repatriation is a conversation, or maybe not repatriation, but at least the conversation of where should I run my applications? Um, where do I find the right balance point between um, innovation, being able to do things in a new and, and maybe better way, versus you know how do we manage cost of these these new environments in which uh, you know those costs might be larger than they were previously or not necessarily aligned with what you're trying to do in terms of your business goals and so forth. So I thought we would dive a little bit into that article um, in this week's Sunday Perspectives coming up right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog. Start monitoring EC2, RDS, ECS, and all your other AWS services in minutes with Datadog. Whether you have 10 instances or 10,000, Datadog automatically tracks hosts as you scale. Visualize metrics, 
automatically alert on anomalies, and collaborate across teams to quickly troubleshoot issues before they escalate. Give it a try with a free 14-day trial by visiting datadog.com cloudcast, and Datadog will send you a comfy, complimentary t-shirt. That's datadog.com cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by Okta, the leading independent identity solution. Okta provides best-in-class authorization so your customers and workforce can safely access what they need most right when they need it from anywhere. Organizations around the world trust Okta's identity cloud to sign in, authorize, and manage users, whether it's employees, contractors, partners, or customers. And with Okta's developer tools, you'll never have to build authentication again. Our customizable code blocks are flexible and future-proof with easy-to-use APIs and SDKs so you can do less coding and more shipping. Okta is dedicated to building the most reliable, neutral identity platform because it means protecting more than a login. Identity is protecting people, their ideas, their work, their brilliance. It's protecting your future with confidence. Learn more at Okta.com. That's O K. T-A.com. And we're back. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to dive a little bit into this article, The Cost of Cloud, A Trillion Dollar Paradox, written by uh, Sarah Wang and Martin Casado, two uh, f- partners at A16Z uh, Venture Capital. Um, you know, it's an article that, uh, you know, is not completely unusual uh, in, to see um, venture capitalists take a perspective on a very large issue within the industry. So, um, you know, both these folks are very well respected, very good credentials in terms of their background, having worked in the industry. Uh, Martin, obviously, very, very well known in the industry for having been the founder of NYSERA, who really kind of started the um, software-defined networking movement, was acquired by VMware um, several years ago. Um, a couple of kind of key points to this. Let me kind of hit on the, the high points, and obviously I'll have a link in the show notes. You can kind of dig into this. Um, you know, basically their their premise was this. Um, you know, cloud costs as a percentage of cost of revenue or cost of sales um, is oftentimes somewhere between fifty to eighty percent. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a large portion if we think about normal sort of cost of sales or um, you know cost of acquisition cost for getting customers or you know kind of maintaining customers. You know, typically maybe closer to twenty or thirty percent. And again, it depends on sort of life cycle of uh, any given company. Um, second piece they they sort of put out there was you know obviously software companies you know the focus of this was very much software companies they weren't trying to make sort of a statement across the entire industry of everybody who uses technology they were very focused on software companies and obviously uh, I think they make that case because the focus of their business is investing in software companies um, so you know they're trying to put some perspective on it from you know where they come from in the world uh, how their their portfolio companies but also any software as a service type of company company is, uh, is measured and, uh, you know, given valuations and so forth. So they didn't restrict it entirely to their portfolio. They, they spoke, uh, as they mentioned, and they, they list out sources, uh, at the end, you know, a lot of companies, probably 50. So, uh, very, very well-known named companies, SaaS companies that you all know, and you can dig into it in the report. Um, you know, so that was kind of the scope. That was the focus. Um, you know, they talked about, uh, you know, the fact that, Cloud provider margins, and they call out AWS in particular. I think mostly just because they're they're the largest, um, and they are the one who is probably the most transparent in terms of, 
uh, you know, what their specific business looks like. Microsoft's a little less transparent. Google is just now beginning to put their numbers out there. Uh, you know, but they basically said, hey, look, you know, AWS has very healthy margins. They have 30% or so margins. Um, and again, those are just numbers they, they pull off of uh, financial records. And their claim was that, you know, in talking to some of these companies, so they highlight uh, a number of companies, they highlight Dropbox, but Dropbox is almost sort of a red herring in this report. Um, they talk about, you know, talking to other companies as well as some people that focus on uh, you know, cloud optimization, cloud cost uh, management, if you will. And there's, their claim is that you know, repatriation could reduce costs 30 to 50% from existing cloud spend. Right, so um, you know that's sort of the claim. Somewhere between a third to half of, um, if you were to repatriate applications, you could uh, reduce those costs about that time. Now, this is where uh, obviously the internet blows up and kind of gets fired up around this. Is you know, is that real? Um, you know, and and so let's sort of walk through sort of some some of the basics of when we think about repatriation, and we'll get a little more later on into some things about like cost management and, and, you know, kind of optimizing your applications. Uh, but let's sort of hit on the headlines as they've framed the conversation. So, you know, the article, the thing to really keep in mind again is the internet kind of blew up about this because they're, we, again, we, we kind of take this perspective that everything is black and right, white, and everything in technology applies to everybody, right? It's sort of the, the foolish claim of like, well, you know, if it's good enough for Google or if it's good enough for Netflix or if it's good enough for Facebook, that sort of technology should be good for you. Well, you know, again, take that with a grain of salt. Are you a bank? Are you a manufacturing company? Do you make tractors? Are you a pharmaceutical company? Maybe you're not in the same business. Maybe you're not in the same you know, kind of uh, need for technology. Also, uh, the case around all the numbers in this are very much built around um, software company multiples. And they're very clear that they say, look, the average multiple for software companies is somewhere in the range of 25x to 40x, right? So you take your revenues um, and, you know, the way that they, they value the company, the way the stock market or investors tend to value it, typically somewhere in that 25 to 40x range. And again, this is typically for high growth companies, right? And again, they're very clear in this article that there are distinct periods of time for any given company. There are early days when you are just getting started, you're experimenting. Um, there are times when you are growing the company and your you know, your main goal, your biggest priority is going to be growth. And then there are going to be times um, you know, later in the life of the company, and that could be Two years in, it could be five years in, it could be 15 years in, in which, you know, the growth slows to much more, number one, manageable, uh, predictable type of levels. But also, um, you know, growth is no longer the number one priority for the business. It might be profitability, it might be stability, it might be, you know, just trying to stay afloat uh, in a competitive market. So, you know, you kind of, again, have to kind of keep in mind that this article while the headline gets a lot of sort of bluster and, and noise, was written about software companies. This wasn't written about banks. It wasn't written about automotive companies. It was written about software companies. And again, keep in mind, A16Z is a venture capitalist, as many of the venture capitalists in the tech space are, are focused on you know, maximizing valuations of uh, software companies. So, but let's let's say we we do sort of break this down into repatriation because again this becomes something that people want to apply to every single industry. Well, you know, the first thing that you have to begin any repatriation calculation with is uh, the idea that if you run a highly uh, efficient data center, right? So every calculation is then going to be based on, uh, you know, if you're going to move away from the cloud in which um, you have you know the ability to run fairly efficient, the cloud itself runs fairly efficient. Um, 
you know, and you move it back to your data center, are you running in a highly efficient data center or are you beginning by running in, you know, what was a data center that was five years ago, 10 years ago, where we often had, you know, 10% server utilization, 20% server utilization. Yes, a virtualization and some technologies like that could ump those things, but most companies would typically still run things at 30, 40% because when things would fall over, they didn't necessarily want to uh, lose workloads. They wanted to be able to say, oh, well, if 40% fell over onto this other server uh, that was also at 40%, well, I'm at 80%, I haven't exceeded capacity. I don't really know how to deal with that. Um, so again, your your data centers tend to run somewhat inefficient because, again, you're trying to plan for failures and so forth. Or you may not have really sophisticated tools to help you do bin packing and, and, and optimization. But let's sort of set that aside. The second thing that if you're having a conversation about repatriation, that calculation needs to involve this phrase. Assuming you have the talent to run a private cloud or assuming you have the talent to run a environment, a private environment that, uh, you know, can manage technology for you, right? And to a certain extent, most companies have an IT staff and they have the talent to do that. But do they have the talent to do things in a highly automated manner? Do they have the talent to do things in which they can scale applications, right? Those are two sort of baseline things that we have to keep in mind. Do they have the talent to uh, secure environments that are frequently changing, right? And that sort of becomes a secondary or a, a sub thought process in, can you run a highly efficient data center? And oftentimes, <clears throat> part of the reason that people are moving to the cloud is they have a hard time answering yes to either one of those questions, right? So either they look at their utilization and they say, well, we think it could be better if it was in a different environment and somebody maybe more skilled than us could do this. Um, maybe they want to be able to put this into environments that are in locations that are different than their data center. And they just want to take advantage of the fact that public cloud has more physical locations than most likely your data center footprint has. Those are oftentimes considerations. The other thing is, and, and we hear this more and more, is I don't necessarily want to invest in the operations of given application or given new technology, especially the newer technologies. It's, you know, it's harder as new technologies spin up more and more. It's harder to find great talent in those spaces. And if you can kind of go to places that have aggregated that talent, again, whether it's in an AWS, an Azure, a Google, an IBM, an Oracle Cloud, or you know, data, uh, DigitalOcean, whoever it might be, Alibaba, that may give you some advantage in that problem space you have of hiring talent, especially to take advantage of new technologies. The third thing to think about if we're having the conversation about repatriate, uh, repatri, uh, repatriation, man, I wish that word were shorter, um, is think of it, repatriation is basically at the most basic level, it's technical debt, right? You've essentially said, yes, I have an environment, but it's not as optimized as I want it to be, or it's not as modern as I want it to be. And so you have to ask yourself the question, how does your company typically handle technical debt, right? Um, you know, does it get looked at uh, in the same way that innovation does, in which case, you know, you're not kind of brutally um, viewed in terms of how you, you know, what, what spend you put into it, like you're kind of, it's an experiment. Typically not. Typically you understand the application and you know the state that you'd like to, for it to get into from A to B, but how to get there is, is often unknown. And oftentimes it's underfunded or the timelines given to, to do the work properly is, um, you know, is incorrect. It's, it's under, under budgeted, if you will. So you have to kind of think of all those things as part of this repatriation, you know, patriation. Um, and I'm going to keep calling it repatriation. I apologize for that. Um, but you know, those three questions are always at the top of mind, right? And, and in fact, cost is 
maybe not necessarily even the first thing that you think of in those spaces, but but that's that's kind of what you're getting at. Now, the fourth thing to kind of keep in mind is that if you don't repatriate 100% of what you're doing, so in the case of Dropbox, you know, Dropbox sort of said, hey, we're pulling all this stuff because, you know, we have for the most part one gigantic application. That's not totally true. They have a whole bunch of things on top of storage, but, you know, they're sort of the, the poster child for this. Um, but if you're not, if you're only bringing back, say, 20, 30, 40% of it, now you're creating essentially two operational environments. And, you know, how you go about doing that, whether you take advantage of some of the consistency technologies that can help with this, maybe a containers or Kubernetes or any other number of technologies that can help you be consistent, um, some of the automation tooling and Terraform and Ansible, whatever. Um, but you're, you know, if you're not sort of going all in, if you're not going 100%, um, you're creating a situation in which, You've got uh, multiple operating environments. And and that's not unusual. That's not unlike the case that we have today for most companies in which they say, I'm in multiple clouds. And managing across those clouds, especially if we're using disparate technologies, you know, different ones in different clouds and different terminology, and you know, they're having to sort of have multiple ways of operating. Essentially, they've created, they've replicated the silos they used to have in their data centers, but they're now in multiple clouds, right? So again, that challenge goes on. So, uh, you know, all those things kind of have to be taken into consideration when you're thinking about, uh, you know, should we repatriate any applications? Um, because oftentimes, you know, the reason that you moved in the first place, again, you have to think about, is that still the reason why we're doing it? Now, I will say this much, um, having sort of looked at these numbers in the past, and, you know, in all fairness, every every company, every vendor who competes against AWS um, probably has some group that is working on numbers to sort of say, hey, you know, how do we tell our customers that, you know, is this going to be cost effective? Because there's always going to be a technology part of a decision, but there's always going to be a financial part of the decision. And when I ran some numbers, um, in, you know, in past lives, past, past companies and so forth, especially just looking at sort of single function types of things. So let's look at computer storage, if you will. You know, the calculations aren't super, super hard to do. Assume, assuming, right, that you run an efficient data center uh, and that you can find the talent. But typically, the numbers that I found tended to work out something like this. Um, if you had an application that, uh, number one, was going to stay in place, right? It was an application that you're going to run long term. Uh, once you got past about two years, um, the cost, uh, and you factored in things like depreciation of hardware and other stuff, you know, the cost of running uh, in your own, again, efficient data center was once you got past about two years, um, uh, you know, you you could get more cost effective uh, in your own data center. And again, this was sort of straight line types of numbers. It wasn't taking advantage of all sorts of um, sort of fancy reserved instances or, you know, other things that now are becoming part of kind of the cloud uh, economic equation, but somewhere in that two year range, 24 months ish. But also you had to consider how frequently did that application change or scale, right? And And so, you know, once you start introducing things like load balancers and the ability to spin up new resources, even if, you know, especially the resources are for shorter periods of time, then you start getting into saying, okay, um, it's roughly two years out, but also about 20%-ish. And again, I'd have to go back and look at these numbers, but these are the things off the top of my head, about 20%-ish change rate, right? So the frequency at which that application had to scale in terms of the resource that it used. So once you, you know, once you sort of reduce the the change rate, you know, sort of down closer to 20%, or you got beyond two years, you know, you could make some economic cases, you could make some spreadsheet cases that running in your own data center uh, could be, 
you know, more cost effective than running in the cloud. Now, again, um, you know, that's maybe on a, on a one application basis or a one sort of usage basis, let's say storage or compute. Now, the other thing to take into consideration, and this is where I, I really think, and I, I don't have any insight as to what uh, Sarah or Martin, uh, why they wrote the article, I presume uh, as venture capitalists, um, you know, from time to time, they, they want to, um, you know, they want to make a statement about the industry. They want to be, um, they want to drive a conversation. And I suspect the reason for this is that, um, you know, you have uh, a lot of companies using the cloud. Uh, they make a statement in here that you're crazy if you don't start in the cloud, but you're crazy if you stay in it forever. And again, that becomes the, the sort of long-term thing. Um, and then they really get into sort of this conversation of, you know, you need to make infrastructure spend a first-class metric. And I think, you know, if you take and nothing away from this article, if, if all the other stuff doesn't interest you, that should absolutely be something that you consider. Because, um, you know, no matter whether you are actually a software company or you pretend to be a software company, so you, you know, you've read some Wall Street art journal articles or you, you believe that software is eating the world and therefore if you're, you know, John Deere tractor, you're really not a tractor company, you're a software company. Okay, that's fine. Um, the market doesn't value you as a software company, but, you know, they they'll they'll take that in consideration but you know the principles of trying to optimize uh, are really really important and you know i think from from a, a vc perspective and i won't again won't speak specifically for a16z because i don't necessarily know why they do this but i think to a certain extent they're trying to say hey look um i want to stand up for my companies um i care about their valuations obviously they have a follow the money financial interest in in the calculations um you know, and they they look at the margins that the cloud providers are, um, you know, are, are charging, and they say, hey, look, we think we think there's some there's some market correction that could take place in here, and you know, where I think a lot of this, and, and this isn't mentioned anywhere in the article because a lot of this tends to be sort of compute costs and storage costs. Networking costs are probably the biggest piece of this. Um, you know, they're not necessarily the biggest spend piece, but they are the biggest piece in which if you talk to anybody who lives and breathes this stuff, and I put a couple of articles in the show notes to take a look at, you know, that's a place where we've really seen, at least in the big cloud providers, we've really seen nothing come down. Uh, we never see any price cuts about networking. We never see any changes in terms of, you know, how ingress versus egress traffic is measured or even cross-region, cross um uh, cross AZ uh, traffic is measured. And to a certain extent, you know, that's a place where uh, we very much could see um, some cost optimization take place, right? I mean, if you're going to repatriate, maybe you repatriate, especially if you're using basic capabilities, compute and networking and so forth and DNS and whatever, um, into clouds that that have lower networking costs, right? Uh, we saw that with things like Zoom moving into the Oracle cloud, um, you know, DigitalOcean lower price point, you know, price point in terms of networking. Um, so what we may end up seeing from these repatriations is maybe not so much in the future moving back into your data center, but maybe moving into other clouds and beginning to see some of the other clouds do that. Now, the flip side of that is, um, you know, some of the other clouds aren't as well known. Uh, people don't nearly have as many certifications um, outside of, say, AWS, Azure, and Google. Um, and if you're advertising, hey, you know, we use the Oracle cloud, you know, there's some stigma associated with some of the older, um, you know, companies that have gotten into cloud. So, um, you know, while that may be a really good economic way of doing things, you know, you're going to have to sort of balance that, um, you know, between 
is that going to help you in recruiting talent versus you know how much cost to save? So I think um, you know my my guess is the reason the article was written was very much to try and create some pressure on the cloud providers to you know, not have people say, hey, maybe I should consider moving out of the cloud, right? Like the last thing that any of the cloud providers want is for you to leave the cloud. Uh, They make a very, very healthy business of you staying there, leaving applications on, paying their very, very high bandwidth costs. Um, But, you know, obviously they offer very valuable services, on-demand computing, on-demand access to a lot of really cool technologies. The last thing they want is a big push in the market for people saying, hey, maybe I should repatriate. And, you know, the A16Z folks do a pretty smart thing, which is they didn't go out and say, hey, this is a 15 or 20 percent, you know, cost savings. They said, hey, it's 50 percent. And 50 percent is a number that gets people's attention. It makes them think it makes them uh, kind of maybe do some back of the napkin math. So, you know, I think um, if you dig into this a little bit, you get past the basic, hey, is repatriation good or bad? Um, you know, there is a lot of nuance in here. Uh, I think there's some, you know, perspective that you have to keep in mind, you know, what, what would motivate a VC to write this, obviously, you know, follow the money. Uh, I don't have any insight as to what Martin and Sarah were doing, but you know, from any VC's perspective, they want to drive their own multiples up. They want to have more of that, you know, come back to their, back to their company. So that's very fair. Um, you know, and I think individually, you know, no individual company has the ability to sort of create enough, um, you know, pressure on the cloud providers to get them to make any change. But if you could begin to get your top 150, 200, whatever companies to start going, hey, uh, we think you're spent, you know, we think your margins are too high. You think your costs are too high. We think you need to give us better in-house optimizations. Um, you know, maybe it pushes the cloud providers a little bit to uh, to begin to think about how can we we offer services that become much more cost effective, right? You know, we've talked a lot on this show about, you know, this whole industry that's sprung up about cloud optimizations and cloud economists and all those things. And those are there because the cloud is not necessarily always the least expensive, but also it's complicated. The cost cost modeling is very complicated. So it's been an interesting article to kind of dive into. I, I've tried not to take a, you know, again, completely uh, it's all right or it's all wrong perspective. I think there's a lot of nuance uh, inside of it. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, some of the discussion here uh, kind of gets you thinking about what it is. And again, the biggest thing I would take away from this is, you know, understand that this was written very much around the software industry, around high growth companies that may eventually become slower growth companies in the software industry. That may not all completely apply to you, to your company, to the task that you're currently working on. But I think some of the principles that are there are worth thinking about because they very very well may apply to you know some of the tasks that your company's looking at to meet their financial goals, but also to think about, okay, what technologies may be involved if, you know, moving from one cloud to another, maybe you don't necessarily think of it as repatriation. Maybe you think of it as optimization or cost management. But, um, you know, so there are some technology decisions that you might make along the way that, you know, as they say, sort of have that in the back of your mind throughout both your growth phase, but also slowing down stage. So again, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, I apologize throughout the show for mispronouncing uh, repatriation uh, as repatriation. I think that probably isn't even a real word or doesn't mean anything, but um, 
sometimes I mispronounce things, so I apologize for that. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening to the Sunday Perspective Show. We enjoy uh, doing them both uh, Wednesdays and Sundays for you. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend. Uh, we always appreciate when the show gets able to grow, uh, get us into into new places, You know, bring, bring the knowledge to new people, help grow the Cloudcast community. So if you get a chance, tell a friend. Uh, if you get a chance to give us ratings on uh, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we'd really appreciate that. And with that, we're going to wrap it up, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 